0: What would a dream offseason look like for the Tennessee Titans? What free agents would they bring in to make the dream off-season and set them up perfectly for the NFL Draft? We are going to talk about that today and more. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it.
1: We the ones. <laughs> we the ones they talking about. Yeah. 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 They talking
0: Broadway about? Sports Media. Choose your fighters. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you
1: probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're
0: begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we, we got. got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Hey. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media. In partnership with 440 Sports, I'm Justin Graver. With me as always is Justin Mello. Justin, today we're going to talk about what a dream offseason would look like for the Titans. We're going to run through some free agents they could sign, both realistic and maybe less realistic, but it's the dream scenario. So let's talk about it. The dream offseason. So for, to me, this starts with free agency. Obviously, Free agency happens way, a month or so, a month and a half or so before the draft. Helps you fill those holes that you that you have in your roster so that when you go into the draft, you can attack a best player available approach and draft for good players as opposed to drafting for need. Fill, fill your needs in free agency, draft good players in the draft. Let's talk about filling some needs in free agency in a dream scenario. I will get things kicked off here by talking about my dream cornerback signings. And I would be... Ooh absolutely ecstatic if the Titans landed either one of these guys. I don't know that they're going to hit the market. That's part of the dream scenario, though, is we're pretending they do hit the market, and then I'm going to give you a more realistic option if these guys do not become available. But those two guys for me, they're going to be the top of the cornerback market, no doubt about it. Jalen Johnson, who's been with Chicago, and LeJaria Sneed, who's been with Kansas City. Either one of these signings would be an absolute home run major upgrade for the defense. Give you a cornerback one, maybe not a true Darrell Revis level shutdown corner, but a guy that you can feel pretty good about being in one-on-one coverage against opposing teams, best receivers. Give me either guy, LeJaria Sneed or Jalen Johnson. And I feel like you are off to a great start in free agency.
1: Well, I think Sneed's a lot likelier to hit free agency than Jalen Johnson is. So I'll say that, and it wouldn't shock me if he does. I expect Johnson to be retained by the Bears. I also expect him to be more expensive on a per year basis than luxurious Sneed. That makes me particularly interested in Sneed. In, in truth, first of all, you're a yeah, guy that just won another Super Bowl. I love that experience. He's a tough hard-nosed competitive corner. This is a guy that went to Louisiana Tech, a small school program. He then gets drafted into the fourth round by the Chiefs. Going back to college and certainly now to the pros, he's had to fight, crawl, and scratch for everything he has, right? No one was handing this guy anything coming out of Louisiana Tech as a day three pick at that. He's extremely competitive. He's tough. He's hard-nosed. He wants to compete at the line of scrimmage. He wants to press you. He wants to get in guys' face. I think he's an ideal number one corner. I'm a big fan of this player. I'd love to see him in Tennessee next season. I think he'll fit what Denard Wilson is looking for as this team searches for a new number one corner. And look, I haven't spent a ton of time assessing the Chiefs' salary cap situation, but it doesn't take a genius to say they got a lot of good players, right? (laughs) They've got Patrick Mahomes on that big contract. Uh, Chris Jones is set for unrestricted free agency. I know that they want him back. They said that publicly the other day. You look at what they've done at corner recently, man, it it doesn't take much to figure out. When you start preparing for the inevitable, right? They drafted Trent McDucky in the first round a couple of years ago. They've hit on a couple of late round picks at corner, man. They had the oh the 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 HBCU kid. I think it's Joshua Williams. He's played some good snaps for them. They also have uh, well, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. I did such a good interview with him. The Washington State kid is it J- Jalen Watson? Or I did such a good interview with him, man. Sec, I, I've never it. forgotten it because find, find, it. I'm so ha- like he was a seventh rounder and he's played so well. Considering the draft capital and Joshua indefinite.
0: Williams, is that oh, Jalen Watson? Yeah, yeah, Jalen Watson. Joshua
1: Williams is the HBCU kid I was referring to, and then Jalen Watson was the seventh rounder out of Washington State. Like, both those guys, they've hit on those guys, man. They probably feel good about their corner room without having to give LeJarius Need 20 million a year, right? Like, there's decisions they got to make. I, I don't know that they can afford to retain him. I'm sure they'd love to. And I'm not just trying to put that out there because I want him on the Titans. But I think I've just explained why I think he's significantly likelier to hit the market than Jalen Johnson
0: is. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I actually met Jalen Johnson the other, a couple of weeks ago during our NFL on Fox podcast coverage. And I sort of joked with him and I was like, Hey man, if, Chicago doesn't bring you back, you know, (laughs) give Nashville a look. And he looked at me and he was like, you know, they need a a shutdown corner. I feel like I could be useful there and no state income tax in Nashville. Did he say that? That's funny. He said that. Everyone knows that. I got a little bit excited for a second and then he went on the podcast with our host and they talked about his upcoming, you know, off season. And it sounded so, so much like he's already had talks about coming back to Chicago (laughs) And I feel like even if they can't come to an agreement on a contract, he's probably going to get franchise tagged in that scenario. So not super, you know, expecting Jalen Johnson to hit the market. But the Jerry Sneed, there's a better chance. Spotrak projects his market value at a four-year, $65 million contract. That's about $16 million annually. A little less than what Jalen Ramsey got. A little more than what Carlton Davis got. It's a, you know, a big contract, but the Titans have the cap space. To make a move like that, they could structure the contract in such a way that your first-year cap hit is not super high. So I would be all on board. I think he could fit into the plans very easily. Now I'll throw out a more realistic name here, someone that is probably going to hit the market almost for sure, Chidobe Awuzie.
1: Mm, I like him.
0: Was drafted by the Cowboys, spent some time with the Bengals. uh, under When Brian Callahan was there, obviously different sides of the ball, but Callahan would be familiar with him. He's been sort of a slot corner, but he can play outside as well. He's one of those versatile guys that you can put almost anywhere on the defense. He's not a lockdown guy, but he is definitely a plus player on defense. Titans need some bodies in the secondary that they can rely on. I would be happy with Chidobe Awuzie as a more realistic option in this dream offseason scenario.
1: I'm going to quickly just quickly add, I wanted him when he was a free agent last time. Hmm. I thought this guy was so underrated on the Dallas Cowboys. I was disappointed Titans didn't kick those tires the last time he became a free agent, I was proven right. He's been really good in Cincinnati, went on the field. And uh, the familiarity, as you said, with Brian Callahan could help. Denard Wilson, obviously, coaching in that division, will know him uh, extremely well. I'll say this. I think the perfect way to put it is you talked about they need guys to rely on. They do. They need more than a number one corner. They might need a number two, three, whatever you want to call it. An upgrade on Sean Murphy buntings, the way I view him. right? A similar player where you can move him around, play multiple positions. But I think he's a better, more productive player.
0: I kind of agree with that. And I wouldn't be upset if the Titans brought back Sean Murphy Bunting and signed one of these guys. I think it really frees you up. Yeah, I think they need to, honestly. I mean, Christian Fulton. need at least two. (laughs) Christian Fulton's a free agent. I think his time in Tennessee is pretty much done. You got Roger McCreary as a solid option you can rely on. Probably best suited as a number two corner and not a number one. Although I think he had a a decent season for the Titans. He's also better
1: at the nickel, though.
0: Right, exactly. So put him in the spot where he can can really excel. Sign Sean Murphy Bunting, sign one of these other corners. And then when you enter the draft, you can really attack those needs that you got to hit on with young, cost-effective options like offensive tackle, wide receiver, these guys that command big salaries when they hit the market eventually. Get those players in the draft so you got them young and cheap and then fill out your defense in free agency with guys you can rely on, with veterans that can pick up this system quicker than a rookie entering the league. I think it just really frees you up if you're able to do that. And sticking on the defensive side of the ball, two more guys that would be part of my dream offseason for the Titans just played this past season under Denard Wilson, well, sort of, um, with Denard Wilson in Baltimore. Denard Wilson was not the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. A lot of people keep getting confused about that. He keep having to say that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or keep giving them all the
1: credit in the world for everything. Right. I saw someone credit like the pass rush in Philadelphia. Yeah. When Denard Wilson was there,
0: I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so anyway, they the Baltimore Ravens free agents to be include Patrick Queen at linebacker and Geno Stone at safety. Both areas where the Titans either have free agents pending or could just use upgrades at the position or both. I mean, the Titans have Aziz Al-Shire, who's set to be a free agent at inside linebacker. Your other starter was Jack Gibbons, also set to be a free agent and not necessarily a guy... If in an ideal world that you want starting on your defense. So re-sign Aziz Alshire, sign Patrick Crean, form that inside linebacker duo. You have Amani Hooker in the secondary. After trading Kevin Bayard, though, you don't really have a second safety that you feel good about. Sign Geno Stone. He was mostly a backup in Baltimore. Got to play this year when Marcus Williams was injured. Showed himself to be more than capable of being a high-level starter in the league. Keep him under Denard. He was under Denard Wilson, who was the secondary coach. So right. he's he has real experience playing for Denard Wilson. Bring those two guys to Nashville, along with one of the cornerbacks we mentioned. I feel like your defense is flying.
1: So I got a couple things to add. I'm so glad you brought up the safety because I wanted to get into a safety discussion. But I'm going to start with, I don't know where I am on the Patrick Queen discussion, man. I'm going to be honest. You and I rarely disagree. I'm glad we kind of are right now. I've seen a lot of it on Twitter. I get it. It's a great player, Denard Wilson. Familiarity. I wouldn't be shocked if it happens. I'm not a huge fan, man. Paying outside, uh, sorry, paying inside linebackers like 15 million dollars a year, right? I and that's probably what it's going to around there. It's going to take, I assume. Look at what whatever Tremaine Edmonds got last off season by the Chicago Bears, and you could probably get a pretty good idea of what it's going to take to get Patrick Queen. Um, it's, it's not a premium position. Okay, yeah. Titans have done a great job getting production from that spot without spending premium resources. I, new staff, I know, but I go back to David Long Jr., Jayon Brown. Uh, hell, I, as Aziz he Shire this year, $5 million. It's a big difference between 5 and 15 right? No doubt. And they got great production out of his You could probably re-sign him at a similar number, right? Maybe not five, but probably like six or seven max, I think, per year. So... I I'm not there with everyone else yet on paying an inside linebacker, like 12 to $15 million a year. I mean, 12, if you're keeping the seven eight, I mean, I, I can maybe get on board, but um, I'm not there with everyone else. I, I am there with you on Gino stone. In fact, I wanted to bring up safeties in general, because I think this is one position we're not really talking about enough mm. when it comes to the Titans, addressing it in a uh, free agency. But what did you just say a couple minutes ago when we started this discussion? Fill holes in for free agency, draft good players in the draft. Not a deep class of safeties in this mm-hmm. draft. There just isn't. Okay, I'm about a hundred something players through here in this class. There's like a handful of safeties, and and, and some of them are going to be second rounders. I don't think the Titans are going there in the second round. Maybe you know, again, not a super premium position. So maybe you find one in the fourth or fifth round that can play for you, like you have with Amani Hooker. Hell, like you did with Kevin Byard in the third round uh you know some time ago. So uh and then I look at safety and I see Geno Stone and I also see Chauncey Gardner Johnson yep. who led the league in interceptions when Denard Wilson was a secondary coach with the Eagles in 2022. Yeah. Both of those guys. Geno Stone, CJ Gardner Johnson, pending free agents. Uh, I'm gonna go as far as saying I'd almost be stunned if the Titans didn't sign one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've got, uh, I love Amani Hooker, but you have him and not much else at safety. He's a bit injury prone. Uh, Terrell Edmonds and Kayvon Wallace are unrestricted free agents. This is a new regime. They played all right down the stretch. I think one of them should come back as the third safety. They'll be super cheap to re-sign, especially Kayvon Wallace, who I thought was a bit more versatile and played well. Bring him back as the third safety, but go out there and sign Geno Stone or uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson to start opposite Amani Hooker. You're probably not getting a starting caliber safety in this draft. Again, it's a thin group, and you don't really have the draft capital, I think, uh, to use a a premium pick on a safety when you've got the holes that you have at positions like uh, uh, across the entire offensive line, (laughs) receiver, and even corner, right, that we just talked about. So uh, go out there. They're not going to be as expensive as Patrick Queen, right, Geno, Stone, or CJ. Nowhere close, in my opinion. That's going to come in at about half the salary of Patrick Queen if I had to venture a guess. So, I'm big on one of those safeties, I'm very bullish on spending big money on the linebacker.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about the linebacker salary position and just looking at Spotrac's projected market value for Patrick Queen, they've got him at 5 years 92 million for about 18 and a half million a year. It's a huge contract. I'm yeah, not gonna man. I'm not gonna disagree. The only place I will push back on this is it's twofold. Number one, Titans have a lot of cap space and you can structure <laughs> these deals, so it's not gonna be an eighteen million dollar cap hit this year. No. Although not. if you if you do sign him to a contract that big where you're pushing that amount of money down the line, right. you're gonna have probably his third season is gonna have a massive cap hit. His fourth and fifth seasons will have massive cap hits, but they'll be low dead money to the point where if he does sign a mega deal like this, he probably doesn't play. More than three years of it before you're cutting him because it just gets too cap constrictive. But yeah. th- the other thing I'll say about it is you look at the best defenses in the NFL this year San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens. I yeah. mean, Roquan Smith, I know where Fred going. Warner, Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton's maybe not as highly paid as these guys, but he's going to be, I think, when he eventually get, finishes his rookie contract. These guys are very, very like the top level linebacker position can really transform a defense. It's like a the part the connective tissue that ties the defense all together between the defensive line and the secondary and guys that can cover, you know, elite tight ends and make plays in the run game, like guys that can do both well, are expensive and hard to find. And I agree it's a devalued position. And you look at like David Long and Jayon Brown, guys who left the Titans in free agency thinking they were going to get huge deals and had to sign for cheap, prove it type of contracts. But at the same time, like when you have an elite game-changing linebacker, it can really totally overhaul your defense. Now, what I'll say to that is I don't know if Patrick Queen is an elite game-changing linebacker. I don't think—I mean, if he was, he wouldn't be hitting free agents. If he was a Fred Warner-level guy, if he was Dre Greenlaw-level— Shaq Leonard right the coolest in the league When he was when time. he was in his prime uh Roquan Smith like those guys are the elite of the elite and Roquan, well, Roquan Smith, Smith was
1: traded though right he was the traded and didn't want to pay
0: he was traded and the Ravens paid a big draft capital price and gave him a huge contract because they value that position a lot and obviously he, he teammates with Patrick Queen so it's hard to say if Patrick Queen would be a big difference maker without somebody as good like that next to him and that's where i probably would agree with you that this contract would be a, a high price to pay but in the dream offseason scenario, <laughs> you get him for cheaper, baby. You get him for $13 million instead of 18 I don't know. Um, well, still I rack, think they're not
1: always accurate. Yeah. That number's high. Can you quickly yeah. look up what Tremaine Edmonds signed last offseason?
0: Four years, $72 million for an $18 million average annual value.
1: Probably fair then. Yeah. <laughs> Probably accurate. I thought Edmonds came in like at 15 Yeah, no, that's what Queen's going to be looking for. I'm looking for about $18 million a year.
0: And um, he's 24 years old, Patrick Queen, same age Tremaine Edmonds was when he signed first this round. Contract. Pick. He
1: struggled early on in his career. He did. I remember his rookie season was bad.
0: I remember AJ Brown like ran through him and four other Ravens in overtime in, in the. He's not game. that
1: physical. He's not a run stopping right. He's a yeah. sideline. He's like a rangey sideline to sideline guy, not a run fit gap kind of guy.
0: Right, but that's where I think pairing him with Aziz Al Shire, who's physical downhill player, or Doctor Gibby. Pairing. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> Doctor Gibby. I think he's set to hit free agency with Mike Vrabel gone. Um, all right, <laughs> I think that covers it for my defensive dream scenario. The only other player I'll, I'll add into this is Denico Autry. Bring him back. If you don't bring back Denico Autry, if you feel like you need to get younger at that pos- tweener guy who can play on the end, who can play tackle. I would totally get it if they feel that their timelines don't match up, Danico Autry's timeline with the current state of the Titans timeline. But he's a veteran guy who can bring leadership, who can help this defense still. And if the Titans want a quick turnaround rebuild here where it's you're talking one to two seasons, then maybe his timeline does match up. And I would be ecstatic if the Titans brought him back. He's been such a productive player in Tennessee. He was an undrafted guy originally in his career, but he's been so good here for the Titans. I would love them to bring him back. If they don't, there's other guys out there they could target that have worked with you know guys that are on the defensive staff now. Um, but I feel like Danico Autry is just such a good Titans fit that I would. it would be in the dream scenario, they bring him back.
1: I'm with you on that. Uh, we'll probably spend an extended amount of time talking about his situation in a future episode. But I, I would like to see, I don't know if you and I are both just being too sentimental right now because the Colts let him go when they felt the timelines didn't match up and they were rebuilding, right? Like teams do that all the time. But look, I, I, you know, there's part of me that says if Will Levis is who we think he is, with all this free agent capital and, you know, two top 40 picks, The Titans should quickly turn it around if Will Levis is the quarterback they think he is. So why can't he help you compete for the AFC South next season? Dina Kowatry, that is. Why can't he help you compete in the playoffs um, if the quarterback is as good as you think he is? And you're going to go get some linemen and receivers. You're still going to have a couple holes next year. But hey, the Kansas City Chiefs have holes. San Francisco 49ers have holes. There's no such thing as a perfect team. right? If the quarterback is as good as you think he is, then uh, Dina Kowatry can still help you achieve your goals in 2024.
0: Absolutely, can. And if they can't bring him back, some other names I'll throw out. Veteran guy Zadarius Smith worked uh, sort of with Bel- Bill Callahan in Cleveland last year, obviously on the other side of the ball. And then a guy like Dorrance Armstrong, who... Hasn't ever been like a, a super high big name type of player, but he's been pretty productive for the Cowboys. Hey,
1: didn't Devion Clowney work with Denard Wilson last year? He's a yeah, free that's agent true. again. He's, he's yeah, going his annual tour.
0: <laughs> I would not really be excited about bringing Clowney back <laughs> as as excited as I was the first time the Titans signed him. I I'm <laughs> maybe he'd get he a
1: sack this time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Got some
1: unfinished business. Huh.
0: we we'll, we'll, we'll say we'll just call that a fair, failed experiment and move on. <laughs> Let's flip this offseason discussion to the offensive side of the ball where the dreamers can really dream big here and the people who are more realistic will come and rain on that parade quickly. Let's start with the biggest dream out there. The biggest possible dream on the offensive <laughs> side of the ball. You we know, know what I'm it going. is. T. Higgins, baby. Will T. Higgins hit free agency? He's recently talking about how he'd... Brian Callahan is like one of his best friends, or something like he said, something very glowing about playing for Brian credit, Callahan.
1: Credit where credit's due, credit to the sick podcast, who got that great quote from T. Higgins on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. In his own words, he called the Titans ideal, right? He talked about Brian Callahan having played for him as the offensive coordinator. Um, so that obviously did the traffic that it should have, right? That made its rounds on social media. It was, I wrote an article on it, I felt like I couldn't ignore it for crying out loud, right? Because everyone wants to talk about it at the time. Um, I invite everyone get a, get a subscription to the athletic, uh, get a free trial. Whatever. I was just
0: about to reference this. Yes.
1: I knew you would. Paul, Paul, D- Denner. Denner? Paul Denner. Guter, uh is writing a four piece. It's crazy. Like a four art four piece. Uh, I don't know what you want to, it almost feels like investigative journalism. It's four <laughs> pieces, right? Like it's an incredible, incredibly thorough, uh, analysis he's doing of the Teehan situation. I read part one the other day. It's very, very good. It's outstanding. Um, a lo- I'll be honest, a lot to say, though, it didn't, it's not going to change my opinion of what they're going to do with him this offseason. I think they're going to franchise tag him. Of course, uh, you know, but Paul Danner Jr. does such a good job taking a deep dive into the situation. Talks about the potential to franchise tag him and trade him, right? We've seen only a couple of those over the last couple of years. What's the cost of something like that to acquire that player and then sign him to extension? We know the extension would be essentially whatever he'd be looking for in free agency, right? I think it's going to be a four-year contract in the neighborhood of twenty-two to twenty-five million dollars per year, right? That's what's going to take to add T. Higgins. The conversation is more interesting on the Bengals side. Okay, they can win a Super Bowl in twenty twenty-four. I firmly believe that. I think they firmly believe that. If you are franchise-tagging T. Higgins and keeping him, it is his last season in Cincinnati. Yeah. You are letting him walk the season. You are not going to be able to sign him after what you've already given Joe Burrow and what you are going to give Jamar Chase. There is, n- they're not going to make this work. Pull it up a year from now. If I'm wrong, drag me. I don't care. There's no way I see them making that work. Okay, who's going to block? Who's going to rush the passer? Who's going <laughs> to play corner? You can't afford any of those things. All of a sudden right? If you tie up that much money. So the questions the Bengals have to ask themselves, how much does T. Higgins improve their chances of winning a 2024 Super Bowl? I think by a lot. Is it enough where you let him play for one more year and then you let him walk the following year? Okay. Or are you bold enough in your ability to scout wide receiver talent where you trade him for a first round pick? That's probably what you'd get for him, right? I think. Or even a second round pick. If that's a, th- if it's a thirty, 30- the Titans trade their second rounder, the thirty eighth overall pick. Okay.
0: I don't think that gets it done when you look at what Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown and Devontae Adams I went agree. for. Now, granted, those guys were true number ones, whereas we've always projected that T Higgins could be a number one if he didn't have Jamar I Chase. Think he and is. he's I produced think he is. in games where Jamar Chase was out. But I think they're those guys probably command a higher draft capital price. AJ Brown. Um, Tyreek. Although you Hill, probably Devontae look at AJ Adams. Brown's
1: stats in Tennessee and, and T Higgins in Cincinnati, they're probably damn near identical. Like T Higgins had a
0: thousand yard seasons as the number two receiver for sure, for sure, for sure. But D- Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, like those guys yes, are no, viewed in another tier yeah, than T Higgins. Wow. Um, the only thing I'll say though is if they franchise tag him and another team signs him, they have to pay two first round picks no just for the right sign to him. sign him. Yeah, right. No, so nobody would sign him in that scenario, but that's the ma. I mean, that's the maximum you could say they no make in the trade. No one's
1: going to do it. The Bengals will tag him and sleep comfortably at night, knowing that no one's paying two first round picks. No, yeah. no one pays two first round picks for like anybody, right? Like <laughs> a quarterback, maybe. And the quarterbacks don't get franchise tagged when that happens. It's because they're being traded, right? So it's like, anyway, um, I don't think he's hitting the market. I think the Bengals tag him. I think we're having the same discussion this time next year, and I think he does become a Tennessee Titan next year. Hmm. I'll go as so, far enough to say that. So wait I don't a think year. It's happening this year. I, I think they're tag again. The question for them: Are they bold enough to trade him and draft a replacement? They drafted him in the second round. Maybe they say this class is so deep we can do it. It would look. It would take some some stones, man. It would take some stones to do that. I think it's possible. But I think it's likelier they just say, no, we don't want to end up with a Traylon Burks for A.J. Brown situation. We know what he is. We believe we can win a Super Bowl this year. We believe he can help us win a Super Bowl this year. Wouldn't you let a guy walk? Essentially, say you get a first round pick for him or you don't get a first round pick for him. I think, you know, I think you'll know what I mean by this. Maybe not uh, well worded, but uh, would you trade a first round pick for a Super Bowl? You would, right? So if you don't get that first-round pick for him by trading him, you lose that by letting him walk, but he helps win you a Super Bowl, who cares, right? right? So I think that's what their debate comes down to. Can we replace him with a a first-round pick that we get? It's possible. It's a deep class. But ultimately, uh, I think they probably just tag him, keep him, and, and take their chance at winning a Lombardi next year.
0: Yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario. Now, after Paul Denner's article, the first part one you mentioned, came out, a lot of people ran with the story that the Bengals intend to franchise tag T Higgins they may or may not intend to franchise tag him they probably do but I believe they do you believe they do this article did not say that this article was an opinion piece speculating what would be the best route for the Bengals and everyone took it as oh the Bengals are going to franchise tag him look whether they end up franchise tagging him or not is irrelevant to this article this article is just looking at scenarios so I don't know how this this article of opinion or investigative journalism. All did a great it. job
1: just looking at all potential. Agreed. Agreed.
0: But potential. where the aggregators got Bengals intend to franchise tag T. Higgins from this, I have no idea. If you haven't read the article, go read it. You'll know what I mean. Um, they may or may not, like I said, they probably do intend to, but that was not reported from a source in this article. That's all I want to say on it. There are a couple other free agent wide receivers that I think would be good fits in Tennessee. Also, guys, I don't expect to hit the market, though. I don't expect T. Higgins to hit the market. I don't expect Michael Pittman Jr. or Mike Evans to hit the market, but if they did, they would be great fits in Tennessee. Mike Evans, obviously, on the older end of the veteran side, him and DeAndre Hopkins would form a very veteran duo in Tennessee. But great guys, if you do draft a receiver early, to have in the room with that young receiver to help them get up to speed, spend a year where they don't have to come in and be relied on heavily to be the guy, but they can just start getting their feet wet and understanding what it takes to play in the NFL, have them ready to be contributors in year two. I would love you to sign Michael Mike Evans for that reason. Michael Pittman Jr. is different. Michael Pittman Jr., if you can get him with DeAndre Hopkins, you don't need to spend a day one pick or maybe even a day two pick at receiver. You spend a day three pick on a guy and hope you find a diamond in the rough and hope that you can... Coach this player up with your very highly vaulted wide receivers coach, Tyke Tolbert, with guys like DeAndre Hopkins helping show them the ropes. Michael Pittman Jr. frees you up a lot of options, I feel like. A receiving core of DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Pittman, and a rookie third through sixth round guy. Feel a lot better about that than I would DeAndre Hopkins and a first round rookie. Even if we believe that first round rookie is going to be really good. You never know, right? You never really know. A lot of teams have drafted first-round receivers in the last few years and been thoroughly disappointed with the results. You know, look at Nikhil Harry, Jalen Rager, the list goes on and on. So all, to, all that to say, I don't expect any of these three guys to hit the market. Any three of them would be a home run signing for the Titans. I'll throw, before I turn it back to you, a few more realistic names out there. Tyler Boyd, obvious connection to Brian Callahan, much more likely that the Bengals let him walk. Curtis yep. Samuel is an interesting, versatile guy. And DJ Chark is another guy I like who can be a field stretcher. You Can't really rely on him, but you can rely on him to throw some deep balls with Will Lovis' arm. He's going to drop two or three of those, but he's going to make some pretty spectacular catches as well. The, the range of outcomes when you throw a pass to DJ Chark is infinite. Uh, but any of those three guys could be interesting veteran additions in that wide receiver room.
1: Well, you add Tyler Boyd, all of a sudden you got a pretty good crop of receivers there, right? Veterans and Hopkins and and, and and Boyd, you have Burks and Phillips, and I think you still add another rookie to there somewhere, one that could develop into a number one because Hopkins and Boyd's are older guys that aren't going to be around much longer. Right. Uh, uh, Curtis Samuel you brought up. That's an interesting one because, again, remember, uh, would have spent some time uh, with the new running backs coach, right, uh, there in Washington, so a versatile guy that, the, that Randy uh, Jordan will be very familiar with. But Boyd is the one I wanted to bring up, because so I think that's the likeliest one that hits free agency, probably out of that entire group. Honestly, not I don't think it's going to be a great group of receivers that reach the open market. And yeah. uh, To me, that just adds importance that the Titans find or try to find an instant contributor in the draft, whether that's round one or round two.
0: Yeah, true. And it obviously depends. We'll have a lot more to talk about this after the franchise tag deadline when we know who's actually going to be available. Right. But that's the wide receiver position for me. I mean, the dream is T. Higgins. Pittman Jr. and Evans are right up there in that same tier. And then there's more realistic options that aren't going to change your offense, but they're going to be a lot more reliable than a Kyle Phillips or somebody like that. Looking, Sticking at the offense here, the dream scenario for me, and you may disagree, the dream scenario for the Titans involves bringing Derrick Henry back to this team. <laughs> Give him a two-year contract. I know there's a lot of talk about the dead the dead cap because of his uh, void years, and there's going to be an extra cap penalty if you re-sign him. Whatever, you're paying that cap penalty whether you re-sign Derrick Henry or you spend that money on another running back. There's going to be un- a little under $3 million that's just lost because of the void contract years contract they signed Henry to the last time around. So whatever, that that to me is irrelevant. If you can get Derrick Henry back, Brian Callahan, we heard him talk on the radio about how any offense would love to have, Derrick Henry fits into any offense, I think is what he said, and talking about his leadership, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, about how Derrick Henry's the guy who gets the offensive line to line up and rerun a play in practice when they when they miss a block or they, they miss an execution in some way. He's the guy that's like, come on, guys, we got to get this down. Let's do it again until we get it right. His leadership is huge, especially for what's going to be a pretty young offense overall with Will Levis taking over as your starting quarterback. I know the money is what it is. His age is what it is. You don't bring him back in the same role that he's had since 2018. You bring him back as a compliment to Tajay Spears, sort of what we saw happen more down the stretch this season. Tajay Spears and Derrick Henry share this backfield as co-leaders. There's no RB1, RB2. It's just RB1A, RB1B. Tajay Spears does a majority of the receiving, passing down work. Derrick Henry... Obviously, one of the best goal backs in the NFL history with the amount of touchdowns that he scored and still has some juice to break open some big plays, even though he's probably not taken any more runs 80 yards to the house. I would love if they brought back Derrick Henry. He is the, the face of the Titans for the last six years. How can you let this guy go, Justin?
1: Well, uh, you know, I, I'm somewhere in the middle and I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I, I think I've spent so much time preparing for his what felt feels like an inevitable departure, maybe that um, I get both sides of it, right. If he wants to go and maybe sign with an instant competitor, I think the Baltimore Ravens are a team that would have interest in him. The Dallas Cowboys are going to need a back. Um, That's better position to make the postseason next year and win a super bowl. And the Titans want to move on and say, Hey, Thank you for like, what, like eight incredible years spent here. Face to the franchise guy, number two overall uh, rushing leader in franchise history. Uh, But we've got Tajay Spears. We're going to either add another guy through the draft. We're going to sign a cheaper free agent. There are a lot of guys I like. Gus Edwards is one I've been talking Mm. about, I think would make a really nice pairing for Tajay Spears. You got guys like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary who had good years that I think also fit as like a bigger bodied complement to what Tajay Spears offers. Uh, I, I I would get that if they bring them back. I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to be one of those people that says this team can't win with Derrick Henry. I said that so many times on this show. They can and have won with Derrick Henry. (laughs) And with a new coaching staff, by the way, uh, a pass-happy head coach, so to speak, uh, I guess you you no longer have to worry. I always thought it was nonsense, but you no longer have to worry that, oh, this is Mike Vrabel's football and they're just going to be the same team they've always been and they're going to run Derrick Henry into the ground 30 times a game, blah, blah, blah. Maybe those people who think that can find confidence in bringing Derrick Henry back because Brian Callahan's not that type of coach. By, By everything we've gathered, he's a very different type of coach and play caller. So uh, I I certainly see a scenario where they bring Derrick Henry back and have a great, well-balanced offense.
0: Yeah. And run Derrick Henry into light boxes at a shotgun spread looks where you're not just constantly loading up the box for the defense to take him down and give him some space to make plays and be advantageous to your offense. I think he would fit really well in that look with Brian Kelly and running the Joe Mixon role, even though he's a bigger guy and then, When you're, you know, Chase Browning it up, you have Tajay Spears in there to catch those passes and make those electric plays. You mentioned Zach Moss. I had a short list of more realistic options because I think if you just kind of read the tea leaves, you look at Derrick Henry's appearance on Bustin' with the Boys a few weeks back and the way that he left that Week 18 game in Nashville thanking all the fans on the field. I don't think Derrick Henry necessarily wants to come back to Nashville. He talked about wanting to explore what it's like to be a free agent. And maybe, you know, he does that and still ends up back in Tennessee. But I think it is more likely than not that he departs in free agency. And if that's the case, my two guys on my short list of realistic options were Zach Moss, who you mentioned, and A.J. Dillon, who has experience Mm. under Matt LaFleur in this sort of West Coasty McVeigh shanahan offense. I think he could be an interesting complement to Tajay Spears. He struggled to produce down the stretch this past season. Unclear if that was sort of falling out of favor with the coaching staff, de- dealing with a nagging injury or whatever the case was. He Aaron Jones missed a lot of time and A.J. Dillon did not really fill in that well for him. So there, I guess there's some concerns there that he's already hitting the wall that running backs hit at a younger age than most of them do. But as a big bodied guy, compliment to Tajay Spears, I do like the fit with A.J. Dillon.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad one. I, I like mine better. I'm going to be honest with you. I like. I really like Gus Edwards. You didn't mention Devin Singletary. He's a free no, agent, I didn't. Too, Isn't he?
0: Yeah, he is a free agent.
1: Yeah, Gus Edwards, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary would be my my three shortlisted, um, if they go that route in free agency.
0: The other uh, the other interesting connection there with um with AJ Dillon is that he was in Green Bay the same time that Justin Outen was a tight ends coach in Green Bay. Um, Justin Allen, now the Titans coach in Nashville. So some, some overlap there. But anyway, let's move on here. Let's finish this up by talking about some offensive linemen that would be dream scenario guys. For me, I have three guys on the list. I think if they sign two out of three, this would be an incredible, you know, bump for the offensive line. I bet Allow- we have the same list. I wonder if we do. Allow them to get exactly who they want in the draft where you, you target that left tackle franchise guy in the first round, and then maybe you look at some interior guys later in the draft. But... My list is Michael Unwenu, who's a tackle, Jonah Williams, who played tackle and could potentially be better suited as a guard who's played for Brian Callahan. And my last guy is Andre James, the center for the Las Vegas Raiders the last couple of years. Um, These three guys could totally remake the offensive line. They may not all need to be starters. Two out of three, it wouldn't necessarily need Michael and Wenu or Jonah Williams to be a starter. Although they probably would be starters in th- with this group that you're looking Definitely at,
1: 100.
0: But you draft yeah. a Joe Alt, get starting level money. You put him at left tackle. You dra- you sign one of these two tackles. You put them at right tackle. You, you sign both of them. You put one at right tackle and one at guard. And then you sign Andre James, and he's your center. And then from left to right, you're looking at something like Joe Alt or Ashanu, Peter Skaronski. Andre James, Jonah Williams, Michael Unwenu. That would be a pretty dang good offensive line group for Bill Callahan to work with.
1: Well, and all three of them got connections, by the way, um, to the staff in some capacity. So I'll start with Andre James, who's one of the uh, best free agent centers available. First of all, I think the Titans really need to take that position uh, seriously this offseason and upgrade from Aaron Brewer. They need a a starting, experienced pivot um, that could be that guy for them for a long time. And I think Andre James uh, potentially could be that guy. He is still just 26 years old. He went undrafted in 2019 out of UCLA, a good program as well. And he has been a consistent starter and a really good high level performer. He will be familiar, of course, with assistant head coach, Tom Jones, who has spent the previous 25 years um, with the franchise, not Callahan, they missed each other by a year. Callahan hmm. was with the Raiders in 2018 and Andre James joined in 2019. But you've also got the connection with quarterbacks coach Bo Hardigree, um, who I, I had mentioned uh, was the interim offensive coordinator this past year. And I'm going to move on quickly here. Bo Hardigree will also have the same connection uh, with Mike Unwenu, who spent a little bit of time together with the New England Patriots. Again, does it matter? He's the quarterback's coach. Unwenu is an offensive lineman, but that familiarity never hurts, right? Uh Mike Unwenu is, I think, the number one target yeah. for me on my personal free agent wish list because he could either fill a hole for you at right guard, but I think more likely and more desirable, in my opinion, is he is an instant starter at right tackle, which is a spot I, I think they could address in free agency because they're probably drafting a left tackle when it comes to the draft. So I like Mike Unwenu a lot. I liked him coming out, man. I remember interviewing him when he came out and I I was so high on it. He went late, right? Wasn't he a a day three pick, I think, and played at Michigan, if my memory is serving me correctly, was a good football player. And he's turned into a really good, versatile, multi-usage lineman there with the Patriots. It doesn't sound like they're bringing him back. That's what I've gathered um, from people I know around that franchise. Uh, He's number one on my list, no doubt about it. Uh, Andre James was number two. Jonah Williams is number three for me. I'm just a little hesitant because I've always felt he performed better at guard than he did at tackle. Yet it seems, you know, he really wanted to play left tackle, right? Like I think he caused a stink at one point when he was the right tackle that he was disappointed he wasn't the left. Um, what are you bringing him here for? I, ho- I kind of hope it's not to play left tackle. His results there have been pretty up and down. Does he accept playing right tackle? Live with that. If that was the case, you're giving him some chip help over there. Hopefully you draft a stud at left tackle. Does he, is, would he agree to play right guard? I don't know, right? It's, it's it's obviously up to him and him going into this process. I will say for some reason, I feel like he's likeliest to sign with <laughs> this team out of the three options, right? He'd, he'd probably be my number three choice of the three, but that familiarity with Brian Callahan, I imagine is going to go a very long way. Um, but I think you signed two of these three You draft the left tackle, like we said, you're in a really good spot on the offensive line.
0: Yeah, I think with Jonah Williams, the questions for him is like, you know he's not going to be a great player. Can he be a solid player? Can can he be reliable enough with Bill Callahan's tutelage to be a guy?
1: Going to be better than Andre Dillard. Sorry, not to cut you off. Going to be better than what they— Probably better than uh, Aaron Brewer and Daniel Brunskill, too, I think from a performance-based level.
0: I agree with that. And that's why I think if you sign him, he could be a bridge starter at left tackle if you feel your your rookie pick. Like, let's say they go wide receiver round one, tackle round two, and it's more of a developmental upside guy like Patrick Paul or something. Maybe Jonah Williams starts at left tackle to begin the season, and then you see how the rookie develops and see if you want to shuffle things around. Or he looks at his own market and realizes, like, I'm not going to get paid like a franchise left tackle, so I will accept that right tackle role or even that right guard role because my market's just not there as a tackle. You'll have to see how that plays out for him personally. Obviously, the connections to Brian Callahan are huge there. But all three guys, if you sign all three, you're cooking with gas. If you sign two out of three... I think you're looking good. If you sign all three, Jonah Williams is a guard. That's just the, the reality. He's and a guard. you're
1: drafting a wide receiver at seven overall. Right. So I don't think there's any way they're signing
0: three, three high-priced line, But there, if you look at what the Bengals did a couple of years ago when Brian Callahan was on the staff yeah. and a big part of the player you know, personnel, like giving his opinion at least on personnel and what they wanted to do, they went out and signed Ted Karras. They signed two other guys. <laughs> yeah. They, they signed three guys in one offseason to pretty big contracts, so it wouldn't be We're, the first time. What,
1: no, Orlando Brown wasn't one of them. No, yet. they
0: traded for Orlando Brown the next offseason, um, or they signed Orlando Brown the next offseason, whatever they did with Orlando Brown. It was one year later. But the point is, Brian Callahan was part of a Bengals team that had a terrible offensive line despite having a pretty good team, went and signed three high-priced guys in free agency to help rebuild the line. So it wouldn't be the first time Brian Callahan went and signed three big-name offensive linemen like that to help remake a group. So that's why I bring it up. But um, I also think, you know, if the Titans are looking to bargain bin shop for this stuff, Chris Hubbard, bringing him back as a swing tackle guy wouldn't be the worst thing. I thought he'd him. Yep.
1: Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, and uh, Collins, the old right tackle from the Cowboys.
0: Lael Collins, right. There you go. Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, Lael Collins. See, thank you very much. They went and signed three guys to pretty big contracts that year. But... Lael Collins didn't really work out because of some injury issues and stuff, but
1: seven million annual salary for Collins, six million for Karis. Um, bad at math, I think seven for Kappa.
0: Okay, so not huge deals, but no I more than
1: seven for Kappa. Sorry, four years, thirty-five million.
0: Right. So almost nine, oh, almost between right. eight and nine for him. Yeah. So, I mean, those, but Ted Karras and Alex Kappa were like the top guys, interior guys on the market that off season, and Bengals landed both of them. So that was a pretty big deal. And then obviously Lael Collins was sort of, there was some weird stuff going on off the field and injury issues with him. But anyway, um, my point is that that happened. Just to get into Chris Hubbard, who played for Bill Callahan in Cleveland before the Titans signed him last year, obviously familiarity there. Gave the Titans some pretty good snaps last year, despite being a low expectations, like last-minute emergency last signing before. because we had to cut what's-his-face who punched his teammate. Um, Jamarco Jones. <laughs> Jamarco Jones, thank you. Um, so anyway, I think if if you strike out on two or three of those three, what we mentioned, Chris Hubbard is not a bad fallback option as a swing tackle if you wanted to bring him back. So that does it for the dream offseason scenario. You do all, you make all these signings titans, at least the guys that become available of the ones we talked about, and you are really well positioned. That's a, That'll be a great way to use all the available cap space that they have and position themselves well for the draft to draft best player available, to get Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze if they feel that that's the best option, or to get Joe Alt and then maybe Xavier Worthy or Brian Thomas Jr. in the second round. That, those will be home run total offseasons for me. Anything else you want to add about this, Justin? What? Let's just say grade this on a realisticness scale from one to 10, signing all the guys we talked about, including like the LeJarrius Sneed and one of those three receivers that may not hit the market.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is say, I think we just talked about some guys that will be a Tennessee Titan a month from now. I think that's my main takeaway, whether that's Patrick Queen or Geno Stone, CJ Gardner-Johnson, LeJarrius Sneed, Jonah Williams, Andre. We probably... At least two guys, at least two that will be a Tennessee Titan, approximately one month from now.
0: All right, that'll do it for this one. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks even more if you're watching on YouTube at Music City Audible Podcast. We appreciate everyone tuning in there. Drop a comment below. What's your dream offseason look like for the Titans? Who's your dream free agent signing other than T. Higgins? You can leave T. Higgins out. We don't need a bunch of comments saying T. Higgins. We know he is the dream, uh, but again, not the most realistic one. So, so what are some other guys you're looking for the Titans to sign? Uh, we'll be back later this week. We're going to get into some of our free agency previews here, looking at pending free agents the Titans have, guys that are set to hit the market, you know, like Sean Murphy Bunting, Aziz Alshire, Derek Henry, Denico Autry, Nick Westbrook-Akina. We're going to start going through all those guys and deciding whether or not the Titans should make an attempt to re-sign them. We will talk through a bunch of guys over a, a few different episodes, and then... And then once the franchise tag deadline passes in early March, it's March 5th is the last day teams can franchise tag players. And March 20th is the day teams can first start to franchise tag players. So once the franchise tag madness passes from February 20th to March 5th, we'll really be able to dive into some free agency previews and look at guys that the Titans should sign because we'll have a much better idea of who's available. So like I said, we'll be back later this week to start those breakdowns of the free agency breakdowns for the Titans and then looking ahead to free agency as we get closer and closer to the start of the new league year on March 11th when the legal tampering period opens and March 13th when officially free agency opens and the new league year begins. So stay tuned to the channel. Make sure you are subscribed to music city audible because we'll be back again later this week follow justin on twitter at justin underscore nfl you can follow me at titans film room until then y'all stay safe out there and tighten up a broadway sports media production